Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peach Troops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Friday night after the Hawks moved to four and one with what was their most impressive game of the season to date. Uh, Glenn, what, what changed for the Hawks in the second half defensively as you look at it? I mean, I think for the most part, coming out of halftime, it was just their activity. I mean, it still seemed like Cade was kind of getting what he wanted, but um, in in the first game, they couldn't keep track of McDonavich uh, over flare screens, over different kind of relocation actions and things like that. They did a better job in this game. I think he had 22 in this game, but he had to drive uh, really for a lot of his points, which if he can kind of earn them that way, I think you uh, let him have those as opposed to him you know, getting up comfortable three-point shots. Still want to do a better job on his driving, but I just thought they kind of rallied to the paint. Uh, and even the stuff that Kate got was not so much at the rim like it was in their first game. I think it was a little bit more. He had, he, I mean, even though shots were going in, he was still having to work harder for it. So I just think they made the Pistons work harder, and uh, I think the Pistons kind of ran out of gas as kind of kind of as a, as a result there. So I just think it was activity. I, you know, John didn't play a ton in the second half, but I thought he set the tone in the, in the beginning of the third quarter with a few strips, kind of a block, and just kind of being all over the place. So. Yeah, that's what they're early that was huge. Uh, it was Trey had a Trey had a three that uh, that looked really good, a long one, and it like rimmed out. And then the Pistons whiffed on a alley oop, and Cade got the offensive rebound and was setting up for what looked like it was going to be a really nice shot. And, and John had that same kind of strip that he had on Bancaro a couple a couple of games ago. Just kind of waited for the beginning of that pivot turn and said, "Okay, here's that little window where I can get to it," and he did. Yeah, it's interesting defensively in the first game between Hawks Pistons. That second half adjustment was coming out and tagging the Pistons big man rolling high, as opposed to low, and that bought time for Clint um, at the beginning of third quarter to get in Cade's path and not let him get a kind of a run deep in the paint or at the rim. Tonight, I was watching early to see if that's what they did out of the gate, and they were set up to tag high. I saw one instance where they tagged high, but the Pistons were running a lot of Spain pick and roll, creating that action where the guard comes up behind the defensive big man and seals him off. Um, And so it was harder to tag high because of that cross traffic, crossing traffic that's there. So that was interesting to me. So the you know the Pistons were smart and kind of had a wrinkle for that adjustment the Hawks made in the second half of the first game um, on Wednesday night and but so the Hawks really just kind of came down to active hands, staying in front of your guy, uh, looking for opportunities to get a deflection or a strip or what have you, and I thought that was kind of the um, the the type of disruption that they brought. Uh, Cade, like I said, Cade has looked like a legitimate all-star <laughs> these two games right i mean it's it's yeah. he's so strong and, and it's kind of funny because it's like i watch him play and i'm like how fast and how quick is he like i don't it's hard to know because but because that's not what he leans on you know he's much much more kind of mastering angles and leverage and his size and his strength and, and all of that it'll be eventually like as he elevates in the league as he certainly will do to other teams that are start putting uh, much, much quicker guys on him. It's going to be interesting to see how he deals with that, you know, and stuff. But I, I know we're kind of – I'm already kind of all over the place with these two games. But it was that Wednesday night, second half adjustment, tag high, free up the big man to get the Kate's path. 
tonight. Pistons countered with Spain pick and roll harder to do that. And so the Hawks just had to kind of challenge their guys to defend your man. And apart from uh, Cade kind of still getting what he wanted, even though it was a lot harder, I think the Hawks did enough of that. Each guy defending their man tonight. That was the difference, I think. Yeah, I saw Clint get get caught on one of those Spain pick and rolls in the first half, and you, you it's it's funny because you can, you know when he when you're the big man trying to backtrack on that, you kind of get caught off guard. You you don't really see it with your eyes. You just kind of turn and feel it with your body, and you could just kind of see as he's doing that. I would I wouldn't call it giving up on the play, but there's just a certain re- resignation that once you've taken that bump, you know you're behind the play by four tenths of a second, and that's it. It's over at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting because that that ring that it's, I, I want to kind of describe it as best I can, but that wrinkle to come to Spain where the the wing is lifting up behind Clint, right? Yep. It's a blind effect that you don't see, and you know yeah. early in the game when it's a wrinkle, you don't expect it. You don't, but on Wednesday night, what they were doing is they would take that wing and park him right under the rim when Cade was trying to attack. And the wing would, so the wing was already in that spot that he's going to be if he's going to run that help with that Spain action where he comes up behind Clint. But on Wednesday night, he was under the rim and he would run to the opposite corner to, to, he he would occupy that space long enough to kind of create an illusion that there's enough congestion in there that big man doesn't have to get back there. And so in both cases, they were starting with that, the wing off the ball starting right under the rim on Wednesday night they were running to the open corner tonight they were running uh the Spain action where he came up behind Clint so there was a I mean I think there are a lot of these uh back-to-back uh games on uh, in the schedule this year where a team goes to a city plays twice there in three nights and so uh, for me it was fun and interesting to watch a little bit of a kind of a two-game series if we could call it that but then see kind of the adjustment the adjustment to the adjustment and all of that, especially two really experienced coaches that um, you know, Nate McMillan and, and Dwayne Casey. So from that vantage point, it was a it was a fun two game set. More fun for Hawks fans if the Hawks got the two wins, but it was interesting to see how that was all navigated by each coach. Yeah, it was it was fun to see Cade and Trey really go head to head for two games, like yep. really for the entirety of both games. Like, good golly, they were both just uh, so so poised and so in control of their offenses that it was, uh, you know, it was like an elegant brand of basketball. There was there was a lot to to take away that was sort of visually pleasing just watching them run the show. Like with the with Cade, for instance, like you know, one of the reasons I was just dying for the Hawks to try to do something where they would shade him to his left. It's not it's not even so much that he shoots with his right hand. He's just so comfortable using his left forearm to parry the defender. I like that word parry, P-A-R-R-Y, because it's just it's not an offensive move. He's not pushing off, but he's just making sure that the defender is not going to get in his space in any way, shape, or form. And then he's just got clear he's big enough and strong enough that he's just got clearance for a shot at that point. And I mean he just got everything going to his right. Like there was there was nothing that the Hawks could really do to take much away from him when he was going in that direction. And then Trey tonight, my goodness, that, you know, he's already like an all NBA player. And the thing that he does best is pass the ball. Like it would be hard to argue that what went down tonight wasn't maybe his best passing game ever. Like it was only 12 assists, but just some of the passes just 
my goodness, they would take your breath away passes, you know, 35 feet across the court in the blink of an eye, just right into somebody's shot pocket. And it was. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's funny because we've, you know, for the last couple of weeks, you know, we've talked about what's it going to look like with Trey and DeJounte together. And really it's, you know, Trey has these, you know, weeks where it waxes and wanes, you know, some weeks he's just, a plus tray and some weeks, you know, the, the refinement isn't there because it's such a subtlety to his game that he's, he's got to be on, you know, down to the 10th of a decimal point, but we got to see it tonight with like a plus tray and it, it looks really good with a plus tray. It does. And then DeJounte was making shots tonight too. So, I mean, I, I don't know how really, really any defense apart from maybe the best two or three defenses in the league deal with what Trey and DeJounte brought in this game. DeJounte struggled to make shots on Wednesday night. Um, and that was part of what kind of kept the game so close, right? Um, but, I mean, basically Nate ran the second unit the whole fourth quarter and then uh, the end of the bench, you know, the last two minutes or so and, and stuff. So Trey put up just these monster numbers without, without ever stepping foot on the court in the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, I mean – to stay on the Trey and Kate thing, like anyone who got to go see both of these games got their money's worth. I mean that, that I would have loved to have been in the arena to just kind of to kind of see that two whole games of that. It's just I mean that's just you know kind of as good as it gets when it comes to you know just being up front in person and uh and and getting a, a chance to kind of take that in. Kate's going to be no, no doubt a superstar. I mean the the you kind you're kind of touching on the technique he's already mastered to protect himself versus got defenders that want to get physical with him defenders like you know you got you got to see bigger defenders on him like deandre right then you got to see a smaller defender on him like aaron uh and and the way he like uh, adjusts his technique for a smaller guy that's trying to get up into him up under him and the way he's kind of attacking uh, really kind of face up kind of swinging back and forth and getting a bigger defender kind of moving left and right uh, versus kind of backing a guy down i mean he has a an impressively, uh, you know, ver- diverse bag to work with already here in his second year in the league. So it's just, it's just, it's just it's something to see. It's a fun couple games to watch. Um, but you know, I, I felt like in in the first game, Aaron really kind of disrupted him early in in the first half a little bit, and then the Hawks kind of came out with that adjustment, and that prevented Kate from getting uh, all the dribble penetration he got tonight. I just think they were like. You know, we're going to make him work for everything, but we're not going to let bogey, you know, their bogey kind of get going on these flare screens and all that sort of stuff. They could score through their big men. If I, if Isaiah Stewart can knock down threes, tip your hat. If uh, Sadiq Bay can kind of give them, you know, a scoring punch, tip your hat. But I, I thought tonight it was more of everybody guard your man. And, uh, and we're going to, and that's going to be good enough. And we're going to challenge ourselves to do that. And that was kind of the, the plan and, and what was executed tonight. Yeah, I want to go back and see more of it. But in the second half, it felt like he had to operate further from the middle of the floor. For sure. Uh, you know, directing their attention towards him and, and, you know, maybe away from some of the secondary threats. And Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do a rewatch in the morning. I'm sure I'll have um, um, a clearer perspective on what actually happened there. Yeah, I was – I mean – probably made this known at some point or if, if you follow me on twitter I've, I've definitely made it known but like i'm trying to run the twitter account for you know bally for the hawks on bally account 
And tonight was just such a wild night because, you know, number one, okay, just trying to do the game. That's always like, I'm always trying to get caught up, you know, because when I, when you, when you clip for a tweet, when you clip the video, you know, you kind of fall 30 seconds behind a minute behind and you're trying to catch up during free throws or catch up during a TV commercial. But tonight with the, with the, it was, first it was the Josh Primo and it was like, what we can, you get to that later, but that just blew my mind. And I'm trying to like refresh Wait, what happened here. I don't understand. I still don't understand. And then we got bogey on the broadcast. So I'm trying not to miss anything bogey says. And then we've got Travis <laughs> on the broadcast and I really try not to, to miss anything Travis says, but I, I'm sure he I hasn't spoken to the media in a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bally with the with the keen keen access. Uh, you know, yeah. we haven't we haven't had Travis on the record for anything in months, if not years. So it it was nice to yeah. hear him. And uh, Dominique had to take one for the team for us to get Travis on record. <laughs> he really did. So yeah, just just a crazy night. I felt like even more. You know, you always talk about. Uh, you know, defenders rushing somebody's tempo. I felt like my tempo was rushed all night long. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I typically pause the game to send a tweet because I, I the way yes, I sir. watch a game, I, I, I can't miss a possession. Exactly. You know, the, the, way, the way I watch, I can't miss a possession. And, um, you know, I'm watching every single action, setup, play call, the way looking for defensive adjustments. So, but I, I just like you. Yeah, I use commercials and free throws to to kind of kind of catch up. So I'm not tweeting five minutes behind <laughs> real time, right. you know, and and things like that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a chore. It's, and that's why I think you know I I know it's not just me, but I have to do a rewatch to kind of take everything in, you know, because I am kind of speeding to kind of catch back up. And uh, so I'm, I'm I'll I'll break down some video in the morning and and do my kind of normal kind of. Uh, put some content out there tomorrow, but it, it'll take a good rewatch to to dig in and figure out exactly what I want to kind of or what I can see there. I didn't see in real time, but I, I try to see as much as I can and, and share observations as much as I can. But it, the rewatch will give you more for sure. Yeah, it's always nicer to do it at that pace. Um, a big one tomorrow night. Uh, you you mentioned earlier the Hawks not needing Trey at all for any part of the fourth quarter. They got to use their subs, you know, down the down the stretch of most of the fourth quarter and then mostly the third string for the last couple of minutes. Uh, the Bucks didn't get that luxury, but the the top two teams in the Eastern Conference meet tomorrow night. Yeah, I just, right before we started, I tweeted out they're playing for sole possession the first place in the conference tomorrow night. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. And Giannis played like 39 minutes tonight. I don't... I. Is there anything on the record where they said that they were going to be careful on back-to-backs? Uh, I yeah. don't know. I, that seems like that's something that the Bucks have done in the past with Giannis, but that may have also been when Giannis had some you know, lingering uh, issues to deal with. Maybe he doesn't have that at the beginning of the season. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that, that feels like something that's been more kind of a February-March plan. Yeah, uh, n- not completely, but more so, right? Mm-hmm. And but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bud is kind of firm about keeping him to thirty-one, thirty-two or less tomorrow night. But I, I'd be, I guess, I'll be surprised if he already doesn't play. Not shocked, you know, um, but but kind of kind of surprised um, there. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, these two teams saw each other twice in Abu Dhabi, right? So this is, it's, it's going to have a kind of a different feel. 
And on top of that, they're going to see each other twice more in the next, like, it feels like five, six weeks or so, so that there's a pretty good kind of, um, you know, pretty quick cycle of these this team, you know, kind of seeing each other. So this will be this will be the first game, um, you know, the and step one will be how do the Hawks try to defend Giannis? Giannis, if, if I don't know if Hawks fans have seen the Bucks play at all this year, but Giannis has taken his uh, level of aggressiveness uh, up from where it's ever been in my view like he's just attacking like right down the paint with the ball and challenging defenders to get in his way um and uh so it'll be interesting to see how the hawks deal with that i you know i in, in some ways i feel like bud kind of does the hawks a little bit of a favor when he plays Giannis at center because that gives the hawks a chance to you know kind of keep clint in his way or keep a, a, a goglu in his way um, but at the same time, Giannis operating in and out of the pick and roll and him diving is a whole level of stress, you know. So um, it, I think Giannis attacking with the ball when he's the center is a little bit more favorable to the Hawks. Um, when he's playing center and he's set being the screener and he's rolling to the rim, I think that's the a kind of stress. And you have to – you and I talked about this after the games in Abu Dhabi, but when Giannis is doing that ladder thing – you really just can't let him get going downhill towards the rim because you have there's no, no nothing you can do to kind of stop him at that point in time. So first quarter tomorrow night, that's what I'm watching is, you know, uh, how do the Bucks kind of unpack Giannis's offense? What, positionally, what's he doing, especially on offense, and then how do the Hawks kind of set up to try to try to contain some of that is a huge challenge. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at more at from the other side, like I was just thinking tonight, you know, watching some of that Bucks game, like how, how old is Brooke Lopez? And the answer is he's he's going to turn 35 pretty soon. Uh, he's just been so good for so long. I know he was injured for most of last season, but, you know, the, the Bucks are going to see a game now uh, where Lopez and Giannis are going to play a lot, play a lot together. Again, you know, it, it could be a situation where maybe they don't play Lopez on a back-to-back or something like that. But assuming that they both play, like this is the defense that I think gives the Hawks a lot of trouble. You know, when, when the Hawks made their moves over the offseason and, you you know, I got to that point where you kind of wrap your head around it. It just feels like, you know, the, the Hawks are you know, better set up to face a team like Miami. And I think they're just worse uh, off facing a team like Milwaukee. I think when you see that lineup where Giannis and Lopez play together, that's just going to be a lineup that just takes away so much in the paint. And that's really going to be detrimental to somebody like DeJounte, who's so good around that free throw line area. But the Bucks are just A-plus at taking that away. And I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, what's there for him when he gets to that range where he's comfortable? Yeah, agreed. And and this matchup has always, I think, been the hardest one for for John Collins too, to deal with all that length that they uh, they presented the the four and the five. And but I like I like the new John Collins in this matchup because new and improved yeah. John Collins. <laughs> yeah, he's been so good this year. Um, but uh, yeah, and that, and I was just sharing that kind of that color to say that historically this has been his, I think, his hardest. Yeah matchup let's let's see with two capable ball handlers um to attack you know angles and seams and all that sort of stuff if uh if that kind of clears out a little bit more space for for jc to get to work 
Um, but it's a it's a great early test. I mean, it's it's it, you would imagine it's going to be a little bit staggering for the Hawks to go from, you know, Rockets, Magic, Hornets, Pistons, Pistons, now Bucks. Like that's like a big. And just from a yeah. style standpoint, forget like the skill level. Like right, going from from, you know, the the switching and and the Pistons just. You know, when it's just Stewart as the only big out there by himself, that's just so different than than what you're going to see from Milwaukee in a lot of their right. minutes. For sure. So it'll be it'll be a, a massive adjustment, but hopefully it'll be a a good competitive uh, close game. You know, with with Middleton still out, you know, you wonder how many, how much we'll see of Drew plus Javon Carter to defend Dejounte and Trey. Um, as opposed to like what well, Connaughton's usually plays at the four these days, kind of. I mean, uh, when he's on the court, that's when the the Bucks go small. Uh, you know, George Hill sometimes plays, sometimes doesn't play. You know, he's a veteran who's mostly kind of being kept uh, on ice for the most part for the postseason. But it'll be interesting to see kind of how uh, Bud chooses to kind of try to match up. Um, you know, Desante and Trey, especially in crunch time. Yeah, uh, I don't think Connaughton played in this one. I, I didn't. I was watching other injury, games, right? right? He's got an injury, a calf injury. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, watching. So I, I was. Play. I was watching other games. Yeah. I, I got sucked into Boston, Cleveland tonight, oh, and then they yeah. caught the end of well, it was Lakers. I'm fascinated by like now zero five Lakers. I'm fascinated by what's going on there. Um, they caught some Spurs Bulls at the end, so I was I was catching up up on a few teams I hadn't seen a lot of this year. So I didn't see Bucks tonight, but I don't think I've seen any Chicago yet. But the the Bucks are the last un I think they're the last unbeaten team. Sounds right. All right. We need to be done, but uh anything else you want to include before we're done? Uh, uh I mean uh, maybe on a higher note, like if we can close on a higher note, Jalen was really good tonight. Yeah. 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 And I I commented on Twitter that tonight was the first time I see I saw him. I feel like I saw him doing a lot of the things that they need from him in his role. And that is super encouraging. Like he was cut, catch and shoot. And if he caught the ball and the, there was nobody in the, in the paint to protect the rim, put his head down and kind of drive an attack. He was helping rebound on defense. He had like yeah, a couple of a really, one. really helpful rebounds. Yeah. So, you know, kind of swing back to end on a higher note. That's the Jalen Johnson that can help this team this season for sure. And so I was excited to see that. And he, he did it with Travis calling his game. Maybe that's the trick. <laughs> you just got to play with the boss on the record. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but I uh, I jinxed A.J. Griffin after he made his first two or three shots, whatever it was. I announced on Twitter he'd not missed the shot since his 14th birthday, and he proceeded to miss his next two shots. So I have to figure out before tomorrow night how to how to get that jinx uh, removed. None of that is a thing at all, but I, but it's fun to kind of poke fun at yourself when uh, your comment seems to have kind of uh, brought about a, a change in the course of one's uh, history, even if it's in a single game. So I, I have no doubt he'll be back to making shots tomorrow night. I I want to see him play against Toronto just – I just want to see him in that situation where he's playing against his dad's team, just, just to see the crucible a little bit, not in any kind of mean sense, but just. It's intriguing. It's, the, the stakes are a little higher when you do that, and it's it's intriguing. Just I just want to see what he, what he does when when he feels, 
uh, those higher stakes. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, so some there's some real tests here. Not that the five games so far have been non-tests, like not tests at all. But this is this is a real opportunity to kind of see where the Hawks are right now. And that's, I don't want to suggest that the next three games, for example, are going to tell us everything we need to know about their trajectory for the whole season. But it'll tell us, I think, something a little bit more about where they are right now. So I'm looking forward to these games and kind of seeing what we can learn from them. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for your time, sir. Thanks, Kevin.